0: Welcome to the Flash F1 podcast with Gil, Mark and our special guests.
1: Hello and welcome to an incredibly special edition of Flash F1. If you've been listening to us through our first couple of podcasts or you're new today, one of the mandates that Gil and I set out to achieve when we launched the podcast was, we wanted something of a Canadian-centric approach to the show. We want to help grow the sport, not only amongst young Canadians, but young potential viewers everywhere. So we try to bring a little bit of fun, a little bit of pizzazz, kind of weave in a little bit of pulp culture. And we are incredibly, incredibly excited that we have a very special guest today. Joining us in just a few moments is the number six driver from the Dams Racing Team in the FIA Formula 2 Championship. Canadian Nicholas Latifi is going to be joining us, and we're going to be speaking about his experiences in the FIA Formula 2 Championship. We're also going to be speaking about the fact that as a Formula 1 reserve driver, he has the opportunity to drive Formula 1 cars, race on Formula 1 tracks, and be around the Formula 1 circus itself. So, again, incredibly exciting Gil your thoughts on today
2: yeah really excited to have a a Canadian driver that we're going to be able to interview get his thoughts on uh, Formula 2 Formula 1 again like you said uh, he's a reserve driver for uh, Williams test driver for Williams really excited
1: yeah absolutely and listeners at home please don't give away the fact that this is our first podcast because maybe for all he knows we're pros at this he'll probably realize pretty quickly that that's not the case but after a quick break we're going to patching in with Mr. Nicholas Latifi the driver for dams racing and more importantly the reserve test driver for williams formula one we will be
0: back in a flash follow us on instagram and twitter search for flash f1 official
1: right listeners as promised we are incredibly excited to bring you a very 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 special interview with us now live from london is canadian formula 2 driver out of the six out of toronto nicholas latifi welcome to the show and I believe, honestly, congratulations are in order based on a phenomenal start to the season. Three podiums, two race wins, including a, a phenomenal finish in Baku. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you.
0: Yeah, firstly, guys, thanks for, for having me. Yeah, like you said, it's been a, a really great start to the season. I mean, honestly, much better than I uh, I would have thought. Um, you know, always going into a, to a new year, a new season, you know, for sure you always have you know high expectations wanting to to do the best you can, and you know especially after last season for me in f two it was you know a bit of a struggle in the first kind of two thirds of the season, but ended quite strong uh It was always kind of in my mind, just like you know gotta continue how i how I was ending last year, which was always like kind of back on the pace. Uh, you know, scored a few wins and podiums and was, was always back at the front. So, uh, yeah, to start like that, uh, in the first four races, the beginning of the season, like you said, already have two wins leading the championship by, by 19 points. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a dream start, let's say.
1: Honestly, not just a dream start from a driver's perspective, but the Dam's team, unbelievable. I, I think you're 40 points clear of the next closest competitor.
0: Yeah, I mean, my teammate as well has been uh, been doing quite good. And uh, I think it's just really a testament to, to the work we've done uh, over the winter. You know, starting from uh, the end of last year postseason testing, uh, and then into the winter testing this year. You know, all the the hard work the engineers have done, uh, trying to analyze you know uh, where we could have improved last year. Uh, because ultimately, I mean, it's it's very well to say, okay, these are this is where we were strong. We just got to keep doing this. But like in anything, you if you want to improve, you got to try and address the weaknesses. And there were quite a few of those last year. So, I mean, so far, um, I mean. You know, based off the results, it seemed that we're working in the right uh, in the right way, going in the good direction. So yeah, it's going to be very important to to keep this momentum up both for you know myself for the individual driver championship. Uh, but you know, I'm also uh, you know really keen on doing the best I can to uh, hopefully reward the guys with a, a team championship because you know I've been with them for for four years now and. Um, you know, I think we've been in P3 in, uh, in the past, the past year, or so yeah, to, to hopefully if we could end with a team championship for them, that'd be ideal as well. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. And I, I guess you can say that the Delara Mechachrome car has been really good for you. Any specific changes that happened this year that have really kind of made a difference in terms of uh, how the car feels on the track and, and unlocking your potential?
0: yeah I mean well, last year it was a brand new brand new car for everybody, uh, and it was quite a big difference to the the previous generation car uh, the one that I had raced in the twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen season so I think that's one of the reasons why uh, I struggled quite a bit last year was you know I was really in quite a you know good place with that car with you know how, with my team as well with how we were setting it up and how I was able to drive it and then uh, switching the of the same for everybody just the regulations a brand new car brand new engine, like everything was completely changed, and everything we had. I had learned as a driver, the team had learned setup-wise was, you know, in all honesty, completely thrown out the window and kind of starting from, from zero. And, and I think... Uh you know, honestly, ha- having that experience from the previous years uh, in a way kind of kind of hurt me going into last year because I was kind of like stuck in in some ways, which was you know kind of uh, you know it's my fault of, of my own doing, um, which you know kind of how I was driving, how I was trying to guide the guys to set up the car, what I was asking for, and you know it was really just with this new car, it just wasn't you know possible to to, to replicate a lot of the things from the previous season when I had done so well, I think I got like ten podiums or something like that. So. um that was in the, t- in the 2017 season. So, I mean, just having, obviously, the full year uh, of extra experience, kind of learning from that, uh, you know, learning myself as well, I kind of had to completely change my approach, my driving style, uh, what what I w- was asking for and wanting from the car, uh, which was kind of out of my comfort zone. But I, I made a lot of those changes towards, you know, the second half of last season, and they started to to pay off. So, yeah, really just going into this season, just really continuing where where we left off from uh, at the end of last year. And that's kind of what, you know, I don't know how many interviews I've, I've done before the start of this season. And, you know, one of the questions, you know, always got was, you know, what are your expectations going into this year? And, you know, basically I said, well, you know, if I could start this year, how I was ending last year, I said, there's no reason why. Can't fight for the championship. And uh, I mean, so far, obviously we've put ourselves in a good position to do that.
2: And what do you prepare yourself mentally going forward for for this? Do you change uh, your exercise? Do you do you think differently going into going into the next one, or you know, going forward from from what you just learned?
0: I mean, honestly you know as things are working great right now uh you know i, I think uh, everything i've been doing so far for for my own preparation whether it's you know the physical training the mental training you know the stuff i'm doing with the team back at the their workshop uh you know as well the stuff i'm doing with williams as well on, on their simulator on the track it's obviously a, a bunch of a bunch of things that are contributing to let's say the overall development and the and the overall work that's you know it's obviously helping the results. So, I mean, honestly, just continuing the same thing, uh, not doing anything less, you know, for sure. Um If if anything, you know, if I need to be doing anything more, then I'm I'm going to, you know, try and just continue adding to what's ever going to, you know, I feel is going to benefit me. But in terms of, like, let's say, the, the mental um thoughts of the processes, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be very important not to, yeah, not to change so much going into the next races. I mean, we're still... We still have 20, 20 races to go, uh, so ten rounds left. And uh, you know, although it is very nice to be leading the championship uh, at this stage and already have you know three three podiums from four races, it's it's uh, yeah, it's still very early days, and I think it's going to be important to you know kind of keep the feet on the ground and you know just kind of reset at each race as you know, starting from zero. I mean, the goal is always the same: score points. Uh, you know, for sure to have and to, to kind of have. In the back pocket already, some wins and some, uh, and obviously a, a good haul, haul of points brings confidence. So I mean, I don't have to kind of go into the rounds, let's say without, let's say a little bit of extra pressure. Like, oh, I've started off bad; gotta kind of turn everything around. It's just kind of you know keep doing what we're doing, uh, you know, stay stay humble, feet on the ground, and just keep working away. Keep building on your lead. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: It was funny last night. I I don't know if Gil had mentioned, but my wife is a huge Formula One fan as well. So we were watching some of the F2 races, some of the F1 races last night and some of your interviews. And the one thing that kind of struck all of us is how Canadian you are in terms of the uh, the (laughs) humility and the accent. And it's so so distinct because you hear all these other drivers, whether it's Hamilton or Vettel or Verstappen, and then you come on and you're being interviewed and it just sounds like it's somebody that we know either in the hallways at work or somebody outside of work. So it's really refreshing. (laughs) And, And maybe talking about resetting, I think what we'd like to do is maybe kind of a series of rapid fire questions just so that we can get to know you a little bit because i know man you probably just get inundated with questions about what are your expectations for the year how are the tires working how is the gearbox same old, same old questions yeah. yeah so maybe some yeah. lighter stuff so first question in our rapid fire questions series when you're working out and as a driver i'm sure you do a lot of cardio what is your go-to music what are you listening to right now what's on your iphone
0: um so for working out uh so it really depends like uh, uh, what kind of training i'm doing so if i'm doing cardio specifically uh it's definitely going to be house music like upbeats and like edm dance like uh if there's a bit of lyrics in there it's good because sometimes when i you know i'm really pushing myself i like to sing a bit while i'm running or whatever <laughs> 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 right, it's, nice. Yeah, it, it really depends but yeah that's really gets the, the motivation uh let's say going and uh, i mean if i'm if I'm just doing like a gym workout or whatever, maybe some hip hop rap or uh, something like that. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite rapper today? Favorite rapper alive?
0: Uh, I'd say Drake. Gotta gotta stick with nice. the, the six. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
1: six god. Yeah, yep, nice. Absolutely. We uh, Drake seems to find his way into almost every podcast, yep. and we actually have a Drake jar where we drop coins into because yep. I feel like we owe him some royalties <laughs> given how often he comes up. So, cue the coins yeah. into the glass one. And Drake also is like
2: you know, involved or like, like all sports, like yeah. basketball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: well, well, what's the thing that the Drake, the Drake curse he has every time. He the Drake curse for hockey. Level?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm so scared one day he's going to show up in the Mercedes garage with Lewis Hamilton. I'm like, oh, there goes title number six. But yeah. <laughs> but as as a huge Drake fan, I love the guy. I just kind of kind want him to uh, keep st- clear of a couple of my teams. Yeah, stick and, with the music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and maybe on that note, I, I think we talked before about the fact that you're a, you're a basketball fan like me. You're a huge Toronto Raptors fan. Maybe talk about how you got into the NBA and, and how you became a Toronto Raptors fan.
0: Yeah, so yeah, huge basketball fan. I mean, before I started racing, uh, so yeah, I only started racing cars at thirteen. So before that, I I used to play a lot of basketball. You know, I was just mainly on my school team. Nothing uh, crazy competitive, but uh, you know, I had a basketball net at my house. And yeah, I was just always uh, really passionate about it. Was was nothing special at it. Uh, it was uh, I mean, at the time it was quite short as well. So now I'm six one, which is let's say uh, a <laughs> short point guard. You'd be very good uh, Very, very guard. tall for a driver, though. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. But yeah, I just always always enjoy playing it, and uh, you know, for sure, always getting to. The ch- whenever i got the chance to go to a game uh you know especially now when i go back, back home uh you know if there is a game on for sure i'm i'm gonna be there uh most of the time it never works out where i get to go to the playoff just because totally. like, obviously now and i'm always obviously away at this time so it's normally like in the winter time mm-hmm. uh it's kind of end of the year or really beginning of the year that if there is an opportunity yeah, yeah. i'll go but you know definitely every chance i get love to go support uh support the raptors and yeah
1: that's awesome. And maybe it's too early to ask, but Kawhi, does he stay? Does he go? <laughs> so, but my
0: my whole opinion on this is that if they I think the only chance they have at making him stay is if the Raptors win the the finals yeah, yeah. the the championship yep. because I think uh, otherwise, I mean, it's it's it was the common knowledge that when he trade was traded that he didn't want to well, he that he wanted to go back to to LA, whether it was the Lakers or the Clippers, but he wanted to go back back and play at yeah. home. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be largely dependent on uh, on that. But I mean, re- regardless, I think if he if he does leave, it's it just allows them to kind of start their rebuilding I think one year earlier because if if they didn't do the trade the Rosen's contract was going to be up at the end of next year and then I I I, I still think it was the right thing to trade the Rosen for Kawhi above that strong opinion (laughs) Um, (laughs) because uh, although he was the Rosen was really great for the team in the city I mean ultimately to win uh, you know they obviously had some really good seasons but it was just nothing was ever coming uh, to fruition in in the playoffs so definitely a change needed to be made Uh, Yeah, whether some of the to uh, agree with with the change that was made, but I I think it was definitely a positive thing. It's just now whether we could keep it. I hope he stays. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, like honestly, if he left at this point, given how how much he's done to this Raptors team and how much he's contributed and the fact that he's clearly demonstrated that he's a playoff stud. Like me, no hard feelings. If he he wants to go home, if he wants to go back to Southern California, no hard feelings. And you're totally right. That DeMar thing, the the organization hit a ceiling with DeMar and they weren't going to get past that and they had to do something drastic. And you're right. Like you look at the fact that they've got, I think, $91 million coming off the books at the end of the next year. And you can start building around Pascal. Like the team's future is bright, whether he stays or goes. Exactly, yeah.
0: Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for Flash F1 official.
1: Raptor fan. Fantastic. Nike or Adidas? Like personal preference here. Nike or
0: Adidas? Oh, definitely Nike. I've always been a Nike guy.
1: <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel you on the Nike stuff. I just, I, For whatever reason, it just seems more gym appropriate than Adidas and some of these other brands. Yeah. PC or Mac? When you're on your computer, do you use a PC or Mac?
0: Oh, definitely Mac.
1: Um, Android or iPhone?
0: Well, I think that's kind of an answer from the previous question too, no? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah.
1: also the fact that this is a FaceTime audio call. So yeah. <laughs> favorite food? Yeah. Like, hey, so outside of the season, you know what? You're not super focused on your diet. You can have whatever you want. I'm assuming maybe there's a little bit of Italian in there, but favorite food away from the track.
0: Okay, so if I'm going with, like, uh, like normal food, so, like, not desserts and stuff like that, uh, I'm a big fan of Japanese food, actually. Love nice. love sushi. But, like, even, like, Japanese kind of, like, flavors, like not just, like, sushi and, like, raw yeah, stuff, yeah. but, like, teriyaki sauce, like, yuzu, ponzu, like, that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, but nice. then uh, I have a big sweet tooth, which isn't good considering I'm a very <laughs> tall <laughs> uh, racing driver and uh, the weight is always a, a bit of an issue. But, uh, I mean, a- anything with Nutella, it's, like... It's a given for me. Uh, nice. A lot, I, love, I love donuts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just a lot that's that's I the Canadian really... side of you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Tim Hortons. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Maple uh, now, syrup.
2: <laughs> now you've spoken a couple of times about being six one, your height. Now is that challenging for you being a, a driver, or how do you Good how do you question. adapt your 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 height with regards to the the restrictions of the car and, and the rules?
0: Yes, I mean it's definitely a disadvantage uh, being as, as tall as I am because. Uh, I mean, in Formula 2, let's say, it's not as as big a deal. Uh, let's say that the, the cars are all monotype, which means every driver in Formula 2 is given the exact same car. It's kind of a standardized thing, and the the, cha- the chassis itself is, is quite big, and they've, they're kind, kind of, of the newer cars that, you know, for these championships that are being made, they're always made now on the bigger side, knowing that the younger generation of drivers are quite a lot of tall ones so in terms of like comfort and fitting in fitting in the car it's not as much of an issue in, in, f, in f2 f and even they've they have quite a high weight limit because there are a lot of tall drivers but let's say going into formula one see the cars are built uh you know as small as they need to be for for performance uh and so like for example in in the williams car it's 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 a bit of a tight fit for me so uh for sure, comfort is is always compromised, which is kind of you don't really want to be compromised in, in terms of your your physical feeling when you're driving a Formula One car at over like to 30 kilometers an hour and with all the all the G forces you're pulling. So that does definitely make it difficult. And then also just from the aspect of of the weight uh, itself. So uh, they they made a change actually this year in Formula One, where uh, basically with the driver and like all his equipment, so the suit, uh, boot, racing boots, helmet, uh, that you have to be. Uh, so let 's say if you 're not eighty kilos, then you have to add weight into the around the seat area, so basically uh, yeah so they counter like, they counter the weight and yeah. they be- uh, yes, yeah, be- yeah, because basically in the past you had drivers like. You know, like, for example, a driver like Felipe Massa was really short. I don't know. Maybe he's around, like, 65 kilos with, with everything. So, basically, a, a, any weight that, that they were still under the limit, the engineers can choose exactly where they wanted to put the weight. They could put it in the front of the car, where, where like, the pedal boxes, which is, like, so you could just use it for, like, weight distribution and stuff like that. Uh, but then a lot of the times, you know, not every team has the same uh, weight t- total of the Formula One car. You know, different engines, the way they build them. So, some teams might have just been over the weight, uh, and again, that's a that's a lap time performance as well. Normally, we say around like 10 kilos of weight, which is about like 22 pounds, is about three tenths a lap in performance. Which three wow. tenths a lap is is uh, I mean, if it's in qualifying, it could be quite a few positions, <laughs> and if it's over a race distance, uh, it's it could equate to quite a few seconds by the end of the race.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, your 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 height is definitely not restricting you in Formula Two with all your wins. So I think we're just coming down to the last few questions here, Nicholas. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, Mark and I are just going to go back and forth with uh, yeah. with a couple of questions, and we'll. It off then, yep. Nicholas, I just wanted to know. Um, and a lot of our um, our flash F1 fans, or which I like to call them our flashers, <laughs> um, what, what are the big differences between F2 and F1 and specifically the cars and maybe the team environment, maybe pit crew?
0: Okay, so firstly, if I speak about you know, let's say the team environment, because that's just kind of like the simplest, just, I mean, Formula One teams are, you know, just much, much bigger, many more people working for you, so in like in Formula 2, you know, for the two cars so me and my, my teammate is about 13, 14 uh, people uh, on a race weekend, so it's mix of, you know, a few engineers, a few mechanics, obviously some, like, uh, team manager, technical director, stuff like that, but it's, uh, yeah, about 14 people for two cars, something like that. Formula One, and and, and sorry, those 14 people is also, like, as well, all there is back at the the team's workshop, so it's, like, the same amount of people, like, on track as it is off track. And Formula One, this is completely different, because you can have, like, probably, like, just under like, like like close to like a hundred anywhere between eighty and hundred people on track, but then depending on the size of the team, you know I think like Williams is like somewhere up, upwards of like five hundred people working back at the factory, and Mercedes is I think like close to close to a thousand something like that. So you have like way way more people working for you, and it's just, you know, it just creates quite a different environment. Like there's like one person specifically for. Every little thing of the car, whether it's, like, one little corner of the car, just dealing with the brakes, just dealing with the electronics, the aerodynamics. It's like this – like, yeah, it's just insane when you kind of first get into that environment. The the sheer amount of people you work with, it could be a little bit uh, overwhelming. Uh, But then about the car specific. So, for me, the biggest difference always when I make the jump from Formula 2 to Formula 1 is just the amount of downforce and grip you have. So, obviously, with the Formula 1 cars that they have, the really big uh, front and rear wing, uh, you know, it just – especially from the – what is it? two years now that they've had these the, the new regulations with with the bigger wings and also the bigger tires, just the amount of grip you have compared to Formula Two is that for me is, is the biggest thing. I mean, Formula Two is supposed to be you know the closest thing you could drive to a Formula One car, but in reality, it's still a very very big step. And when you make that transition, it's like it's still even me that I'm used to driving the Formula One cars now. It still always kind of shocks me a bit. It's like you know, wow, this is this is a lot of grip here. But then uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, obviously there's more power. Uh, Formula Two has around 620 horsepower. Formula One cars like let, let's say with the combined hybrid power as well which adds a decent amount of power it's like let's say over one lap it could be like close to a thousand horsepower so so that is a big difference but i mean for me again as the as a driver it's you know it's, it's all fine very fun you know going flat out in the street going fast but that's you know that's not for me isn't the impressive thing it's it's how fast you go through the corners but then yeah and yeah, the other biggest thing is just the amount of electronics that are on a formula one car especially you know each year they kind of get more and more technologically advanced especially since 2014 when they added the, the hybrid power yeah the v6 type hybrid, turbos, hybrid yeah. power so, yeah. so so many things on the steering wheel you have to manage the amount of controls I mean, in formula two really the only thing we press on the steering wheel is the radio button to talk to the engineers
1: <laughs> being respectful of your time i i did want to ask really given that this is the mandate and the, the agenda of our podcast is really to help broaden the appeal of the sport just by making it more accessible to a younger demo and, and people that maybe aren't totally in tune with older folks with thick British accents talking about DRS for 20 minutes. But if you if you were in a position where you could make a change to Formula One, to international open wheel racing, to broaden the appeal to a younger demographic, to, to broaden the appeal in North America outside of that core kind of fan base in Montreal, what kind of thing would you do? What would you look at doing to broaden the appeal? And I always reflect back a couple of years ago to Lewis Hamilton's win in Monaco and they flashed to the crowd and Dwayne Wade was there and Gabrielle Union was in the crowd. I'm like, man, we need more of this. But a- anything you've thought about or anything that you think would help kind of promote and broaden the appeal of the sport? I mean, for me,
0: it would, it would just be like a kind of a lot of like general things. I mean, I, I think since uh, Liberty Media has taken over, I think they are going in, in the right direction. I think prior to that with uh, Echo, Echo Stone in charge, totally. Uh, you know, the Formula One was very closed off, uh, you know, the access for, for the fans and this, from the social media stuff. Like kind of regular rules with like even simple things like drivers like wanting to film a video of themselves in the product. like there was so many restrictions and it was all all a bit ridiculous yeah. so I definitely think Liberty's liberty is going in the right way but I think yeah the first thing is just I think to continue to make it more accessible to to the fans um, awesome I mean I, I think to, to a certain I think with that point particularly, there's a, uh, a fine line because to a certain extent, you know, if it's too accessible, then I, I think it might lose a bit of the prestige of, of Formula One. Yeah, so I I think this, we I mean, have to be a bit careful there, but I mean, going back to what you said about like that time in Monaco where there was obviously some some superstars there, I, I think Formula One can, and I think Hamilton has said it as well, can learn a lot from, you know, other American sports and sports leagues and just kind of like try yeah. and copy a bit yeah. the the model of, you know, how, how they work in North America. I mean, it goes without saying that okay, in in Europe the kind of racing background and, and history is a bit more, a bit more rich than what it is in North America. You know, obviously we have IndyCar and NASCAR here, so that's kind of let's say the the niche in in America, and obviously just broaden it to say North America in general but I definitely think that Formula One can can learn from um, American sports try and yeah I, I, again just make it a bit more a bit more of a spectacle maybe having a few more races in in North America because again those are the the, the bigger sure. markets I mean I I think it's a bit it's always a bit you know when Formula One gets gets new races on the count in the previous years it was with under Stone. it was always okay obviously which track is going to pay pay the money to <laughs> to, to host the <laughs> race there um, but, but, but exactly. I mean I think a lot of drivers would uh, would agree that you know the, in the past and maybe even on the current calendar there are certain races that aren't the best for you know the the fan interaction but even like just in terms of the amount of spectators on on place on a race weekend but they, they might make for good races but i mean in terms of that that side of thing it's yeah it's not the best so yeah maybe going to a few more races in north america i think could could help that a lot and i definitely won't complain about that because i get to go back over to uh <laughs> yeah. my side of the pond
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. And I think, Gil, you've got one last question,
0: right? Yeah, I
2: think I've got two really quick, in, in closing, two really quick questions. Will you get a chance to test in Canada and your favorite track?
0: Uh, okay, so first I'll answer my favorite track. So my favorite track, so I, I kind of answered this question in two, in two ways really. So my my favorite real, real track, so like permanent racing circuit is Sil- Silverstone, so in the UK, because it has a lot of fast flowing corners. It's a very high speed track. And again, as I mentioned before, you know, with the Formula 2 and Formula 1 cars that these cars make so much downforce, you know, that's when you get to, at a track like, like that is where you get to utilize, you know, the full potential of the car, and that's that's what I enjoy as a driver. Uh, in terms of your other question, so I'm going to be doing a few FP1s this year. I think we're around six. It's honestly, it's not confirmed yet if I am going to be driving in Montreal. Still, still discussing which ones that work best for for me and for the team. But uh, you know, I, I definitely I will be there. Uh, regardless of if I'm if I'm driving or not. So really looking forward to, to heading back home. And, you know, even the past years of, okay, last year I drove in the FE1, but all the previous years, I always try and make it a point to get myself there, you know, see all the friends and, and family. But uh, I really hope uh, I get to drive there. So we just have to wait to, <laughs> wait and see.
1: So I, I think with that, and we'll hold you back for one minute after we sign off with our listeners, but I, I think this has been unbelievable. I, I can't say how grateful that uh, Gil and I are for you joining us today. And again, like I said, our mandate is to really promote this sport in Canada and take a really Canadian-centric uh, kind of approach to, to the angles and the topics that we discuss. So having an up-and-coming Canadian superstar, or superstar join us today is really, really meaningful. So thank no you worries. so much.
2: Yeah, this was exciting for uh, Mark and I. We couldn't sleep last night. I slept over <laughs> at Mark's place. And yeah. We got up early and we just started just getting excited and giddy about uh, this interview. So yeah. we really want to thank you for your time and and really uh, considering talking to us and, and, and making this happen for us. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no worries. Yeah. My pleasure, guys. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for Flash F1 Official.
1: What an unbelievable opportunity to have F2 driver, Nicholas Latifi, future Formula One driver, current reserve test driver for the Williams Grand Prix engineering team join us. That was unbelievable. And and maybe just to give all of our listeners a little bit of context, Formula 2 is really the final step before Formula 1. FIA, the the body that governs global motorsport, has what's called the FIA Global Pathway. And it's a series of championships that lead up to Formula 1. So now it's officially F4, F3, F2, and then finally F1, which is the, the ultimate championship. But F2 is the highest level of open wheel racing in the world outside of formula one although i think some american fans may make the case that indycar is kind of maybe the second highest level but he currently races in the formula two championship and like he was saying that the primary distinctions are that the cars are much more standardized in terms of chassis and components and things like that but they're still incredibly fast they look like a formula one car um, and of course for his for his own personal benefit and development, he is a test driver for uh, Formula 1 team. He's test-driven the Force India car in the past, which we didn't speak to, and he'll be test-driving the Williams FW32 this year. Uh, Gil, your thoughts um, on our first big interview?
2: Yeah, this is really exciting. You know, Flash F1 uh, is still in its infancy stage. Yeah. We've only got like five or six uh, podcasts out. We've had a lot of feedback, a lot of support. Uh, Mark and I are working really hard to, you know, give the, the the Flash F1 fans, you know, really good content, and it was really great for Nicholas Latifi to, uh, to share his time with us and uh, give us a, some detailed information from behind the track, behind the pits, and, uh, and what, he, what he does to, to be an F2 driver and to make that leap into Formula One.
1: And and one of the things I think that we found so interesting, even before we did the interview, is we were watching a lot of interviews of him on YouTube, past interviews based on past performances, etc. And one of the things that really struck us is, one, he's very definitively Canadian in terms of his accent, his pronunciation, which is great because it's comfortable for us but also the fact that he's extremely humble and you heard that during the podcast, like he was owning up to past experiences and hey, you know what some of the challenges may have been the feedback and what I was asking of the engineers and the team, Like incredibly humble. So then when you see him have a great start like he is this year with the Dams team, three podiums, two wins coming out of four races over two race weekends, can't be anything but happy for him. And for us, Regardless of all that, I think we would be cheering for him because he's a Canadian and he proudly wears the maple leaf on the top of his helmet. And we'll probably post that on some of our social media channels. But again, incredibly, incredibly happy that we had the opportunity to speak to him today.
2: That's, uh, yeah, it was really great. Really great.
1: This wraps up our very, very special podcast, our very special edition with our very first interview. For those of you that are new to the podcast, we typically do a podcast after each race weekend. That's our traditional race review. But we typically also, and we don't do it for every race, but we'll often do what we call a fast pass race preview. So between race weekends, we'll typically get together, talk about some R- Formula One news and gossip, talk about some of the things leading up to the upcoming race.
2: Yeah, we'll talk, also talk about, give some details and facts about the upcoming track, any new um technological or team uh, news going forward. The fast pass is usually just a short 10 minute just to give you guys uh, a bit of information leading up into the race. So
1: we we always say 10 minutes, but it leads into 20, which becomes 30. And then when we put in the music, 35. But I I think it's something our listeners were asking for and we're more than happy to oblige. But don't be struck if it seems a little bit shorter. It's really just to keep people interested and engaged between the race weekends.
2: Yeah, that's it. Okay, so so I uh, think that's it. Anything else? No, that's it. So I just want to say thank you for listening to Flash F1 come back for more tech talk track talk team talk and definitely more trash talk this is Gil and mark saying peace peace
0: thanks everyone for joining us you have been a great audience this is sarah signing off at flash f1 with gill and mark